We're not parents, but some of our best friends are. And we're here to share wisdom and observations from an unbiased, non-parental I'm James. I'm Thomas. We're two non-parents interested in the world of parenting. This, this is, is Dink. Thomas, since uh, we last did the first episode, I know I've been having a lot of fun conversations. Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised. I think mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize how nervous I was mm. when I initially sent out <laughs> the podcast episode to some yeah. of our friends. But I both remember uh, just being so warm by the support I heard mm. uh, from my parenting friends and also the types of conversations that, that came from from the initial feedback as well as continued conversations. I, it was an invitation um, to engage on this topic that I didn't realize until we embarked on this project how much I have enjoyed talking about it. Mm. And it was really sweet to just have another way to connect to, yeah. to a lot of my, our friends. Um, I think that's really well said. I think I was reflecting on this earlier, that in many ways, many of the conversations we had afterwards just felt like an extension of the conversation that we've had. And so what initially felt like a a dual conversation, a conversation between one and two, I think increasingly I feel like, oh, our community in some way is having this conversation around parenting. And that, yeah, that's something that brought me a lot of joy, um, as well as like, I feel like I've learned a lot from them. Yeah. I know our original motivations, playful mm. and real, about mm. <laughs> starting this podcast is we would hang out with our parenting friends and they talk a lot about parenting. Yeah. And a lot of it was around, or my perception was around the, the day-to-day. Mm. Like, uh, and, and I can imagine how important it is to get advice when you have a screaming child or you're going through this experience that feels so new to get really practical advice mm. on what to do next. But I know a lot of what we've tried to strike a tone about and a lot of the conversation I've had is almost like the meta conversation around parenting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've been thinking a lot about why I enjoy the conversation so much. And I've enjoyed talking about, yeah, in general relationships mm. um, and how thinking about parenting first and foremost makes me think a lot about the ways I want to be mindful of the ways my relationships with my parenting friends are changing mm. or the ways we want to change. And it's also a way to learn about and get some insight into the ways they want to be in this world, mm. the ways they want to love their child, the ways they want to continue to include others in their lives, the ways they rest, wrestle with that. And the way all these conversations about all these different types of relationships are enriching because they're just different angles to think about love and relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just to play that back, or at least what I'm hearing that deeply resonates with me is the idea that I think for both of us, observing so many of our friends going through this transition feels scary, right? They're picking on an identity that I don't have and that I don't know anything about. Um, and the first, I think, very human thing is a sense of distance as that occurs. Um, And I think certainly my hope in this podcast and one of the coolest things I actually think has happened in the conversations is that, well, there's so many true nuances to all of our different identities in relationship that are real and that are different. But at a meta level, ultimately, we're all just humans Mm. figuring out how to interact with each other. And there's something beautiful about remembering that stuff that we have in common. And so, you know, in many ways for me, this podcast is in some way a love letter Mm. from us to our parenting friends saying we want to be in 
community and connection with you, even as you embark on this new phase, but also a reminder to ourselves, right? Like how much we can connect and can continue to learn and can you continue to grow together, um, even when, you know, our lives take on new chapters and new forms. One thing that's come up in some of my conversations with parents has been the theme of resilience. Mm. And first I want to start off, I'm reminded by how brave my friends are in taking mm. on this journey. Mm. Because I still feel fear when I think about parenting. I know mm. I touched upon that a little bit in the last podcast around there's lots of fears I have around loss of identity, mm. uh, just change in general. And a lot of that fears come from a sense of uncertainty and it has been a gift to witness my friends intimately and how that's reduced a lot of that anxiety mm. but there still is a lot of fear and i have heard some of my parenting friends talk a lot about fear as it relates to resilience mm. and the fears around potentially failing i'm gonna just mm. drop, go out and say that word because uh it does feel like there's so many decisions at a micro level, mm. at a macro level. And one of the big macro questions is like raising a resilient child, mm. you know, each decision, perhaps making a significant impact on that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. In fact, I was talking about this theme with my friend Lena um, the other day, um, and she had such good stuff to say about it. I actually asked if I could record or she could send in her question and let's play what what lena had to say on this one hi dink this is lena i am from san francisco and one of the things that i think about uh, when i think of having a child and raising a human being is how to make sure that i raise a confident um, and resilient person um, especially given all the things you hear about mental health in schools and bullying um, and pressures to succeed. So curious if you have any advice on that front. Thank you. You know, um, one of the things I was just struck by as I was listening to that question is I was reminded how much pressure I feel. You know, I, I struggle a lot with my mental health. Um, you know that um, well, particularly well, James, being my roommate. And that's always been true, but I, probably the last year of my life has been, I've struggled with it the most, um, particularly around depression and anxiety. And I feel like one of the things that I've observed is that um, we've shifted, I think, very healthily to a world where it is healthy and okay to talk about our mental health in a way in which I probably not have felt comfortable seeing that even five years ago. Um, and yet, um, whereas we've recognized how much the pressure that we've put on ourselves to succeed externally and with all of these things that like Lena mentioned, um, have given like, I've created all of this undue pressure. Yeah. I feel like now there can be equally undue pressure to have great mental health. Yeah. Right. And so I heard I, I could hear on one hand what I loved in Lena's question was this desire to 
raise a child who's kind of resilient and strong enough not to feel that pressure. But at the same time, I felt the pressure mm-hmm. that she's feeling in order to do that. And how even our mental health or managing it in a good, in, in a healthy way can become another stressor unto itself. As I think about that, one of the ways that I used to imagine resilience was like a big wall. Mm. A big, thick, strong, armored wall. Think like around a city that is going to protect it and be impervious to all of the attacks that are coming away. And you're trying to build something that is sturdy and hard and strong enough. I think I now increasingly think of resilience more like a bamboo sheet flowing in the wind. It's actually about less about the ability to be so strong that nothing moves you at all, Hmm. but rather nimble enough to bend and adjust and keep coming back to center with the wind that comes. Um, And I'm by no means um, an expert on um, architecture. (laughs) So I'm now going to do one of those things I often do where I use an idiom that I know nothing about. But I do know that when they're designing buildings, one of the things that you want to do if you truly want to build like a building that is strong and, um, and will survive is that it actually needs to be able to move with the pressure of the wind and not stand too tall um, and not stand too hard because that's actually more likely to break. And so when I think about raising resilient children in that, in that arena or being a resilient parent yourself, I think it's less about being impervious mm. to all of these pressures and more what having what are the right norms and habits and kind of collective behaviors that we can use to bring ourselves back to center yeah. when we inevitably get pulled in these different directions. So many things to share. Uh, first, your reflections. When I heard Lena's questions, I thought about courage and a lot of the courage is not in the the way we act, but I think the way we're willing to be open to talk about the unknown or things that can be hard with us. Mm. So I'm first thinking about that. And I love the two analogies you you shared. Um, I'm imagining the building, I'm imagining the bamboo tree. It also reminds me of a theme that I know we talked about, which is the power limitations about the narratives we offer. Mm. Different types of metaphors resonate with different individuals. Mm. But I know I feel the most trapped when I have one narrative. Mm. And what you shared is a reminder of the different ways we can be resilient. And while mm. I also do really agree with the one that can sway a little bit more, I think that one of the hardest parts about parenting are all the strong narratives about what it means to be a good parent. And I think mm. that pressure build starts early on. And I do think there's a certain resilience it takes to being open-minded to all these different narratives. special about being a parent is like this opportunity to see life in a in a different lens through your child's lens as well and that's mm. such a gift but i think the latter is also like such a worry as well like again mm. the question is like how do i raise a resilient child mm. and just think about like being a resilient individual and practicing that resilience first and foremost is is so difficult and so worthwhile and just a reminder of like the ways we show up to be a resilient individual 
that in itself is inspiration to others. Mm-hmm. And imagine just, again, this thoughtfulness around this topic. Yeah. The way she thinks about, and I'm sure there's so many ways she's learned to be resilient in her, her own life, continuing to just be a resilient person herself. Mm. I think that is the way we are a gift to our others, including if we have children, to our children. Yeah. And that, you know, ties it back to, you opened with just noting the openness and, and the courage that that took. And, and thank you for that. Felt very kind for, for calling me courageous, um, for sharing that. But, um, and I do think you want to do it in an age appropriate way. Mm. Um, but I just want to like underscore the wisdom of what you just said, that the act of being a parent is such a resilient one. It like, it demands it of you. That in some ways it's about just finding age appropriate ways to be honest with your children about what you're doing and how you're doing it and how you're doing many of those things that making many of the decisions that you need to make in the absence of full certainty and yet still going forward about how your love for them, um, your love for the family that you're building gives you strength to forge into the unknown, just allowing them to kind of be partners with you on this story. And then I think the second piece is... um, you mentioned, I love talking about like the, the va- that we've talked a lot about what parents can show their kids, but a lot of parents talk about the beauty of, like you said, what they learn from their kids. Children are often, and I hear this a lot, children are incredibly resilient. Hmm. Um, and I think, there are, I think there are ways in which for most homo sapiens, our brains do come into this as they form with a certain amount of plasticity and bounce backedness. <laughs> And I would say one of the other things, um, to your point, is to encourage resilience when you see it. Mm. Um, Rather than thinking about resilience just fully as something that you externally are going to throw onto your child, um, being as something that you're going to see glimmers of and just encourage and stoke the fire. And I think the reason that really resonates with me is I think the friends who've been most encouraging to me in my own mental health journey or the conversations that have been most impactful are the ones where people point to the ways I'm already being strong Mm. in the ways that I desire to be strong and both remind me that it is possible, but also, um, you know, (laughs) just give me positive um, reinforcement Mm. when I'm doing the things that I want to be doing. Um, And I just, you know, speaking as like one person, um, but I think that, you know, psychology would, um, would agree with me on this one. That like the act of thinking about observing where it exists and encouraging it is going to give you 10 times as much value as trying to kind of create it where you don't think it is. And where parents have all, already have the answers because they are, again, as we talked about, resilient in making this choice. And I think that's like a theme I think we'll continue to touch upon is, you know, as again, as non-parents, mm. all our thoughts, all our reflections, all our guesses of course, are like coming from our lived experience as non-parents mm. and we're applying this to reflect in parent- parenting in a playful way. A lot of our parent friends, they've also lived their entire lives before they became parents as mm. rich, resilient human beings and to encourage them to draw from all those other experiences because mm. and this is a, a, a thing I say with some hesitance but also some confidence of like parenting is such a special identity but it's also yet another identity um, and it's a human identity and it's a, another label 
among many labels that can make someone human. And I wonder if just recognizing that again, takes some of the pressure off of being a parent. It's mm. like, how do you again, show up in this world as a loving human being? Mm. Again, for asking this question, I can already tell that Lena is someone like that. Yeah. Um, yep. She is. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you that for sure. Um, you know, and then I guess I, I just, yes and amen um, to everything that you just said. And the thing that gives me deep encouragement is, you know, Lena, for all our parent friends, our hope is that you get the sense that you're not doing it alone, right? They do have the bulk of the work, but it no means that us as non-parents are gonna really have very much to do. Um, but I do hope that like part of what I, I've called this podcast a love letter before part of what I say is that we just care about you enough that to the extent we can, we will also be there trying to model resilience, um, for your kids, um, and learning with you as you go. And so it's a big, big task. It is a task that you take the lead on. Um, it is a task with many, many moments that many of us will never fully understand. Um, but I also hope you know it's not a test that you take alone. Thanks so much for listening to Dink. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. If you're interested in having a question answered on an episode, send a recording to dinkpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks to our friends and supporters for being so open with sharing your stories, joys, and struggles on the journey of parenthood. And thank you to our listeners as well for the gift of your time. We love you all.